Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. And I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broad Wasted podcast, where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and we are dwiring for you to hear this episode. Don't go Menzel in the head for D and U. Pierce my heart in the Garden of Eden, try a Vosque pear, but don't block me. Park it right there in a lily field. We're in Beantown, or is it just my gas dire? All I know <laughs> is that I'm murning... I'm, no, this one doesn't make sense. All I know is that I'm murning the butter. Don't burns bridges, just tucker and roll and wicks the hair from your face. Take a bow, man, because we're Gonzalez, baby, Gonzalez, and on the Mendez. Joining us today are the usual <laughs> wizards and I, including Kevin, no good deed, Jager. That was well played, Brian, very well played. That was hard to say. It was easier to write than say out loud. <laughs> Um, our Gas Dyer was my favorite. <laughs> uh, our gravity-defying game master and unofficial babysitter for the hour, Kimberly. Gravity-defying. I wanted to like figure out if I could move the chair. <laughs> Not work. <laughs> uh, and with us today is a personality you probably know from his social media or YouTube videos. Um, but let's give a big, broad, wasted welcome to friend of the show. Friend of the show. And Murray. Y'all ready for this? Ah, no, no, no. You were introducing me with Jock Jams 3. I love it. Wait, Brian, that was so good. I cannot, so many things. First of all, that was B-U-D, Rossioli, full. Great. And <laughs> I cannot believe I somehow have mustered my way into making Wicked my brand without ever even getting an audition for that musical. Wait, I thought you were going to say without ever having seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I mean, yeah, bad. I could. The internet's a crazy place, man. <laughs> um, but uh, Tim, thank you so much for joining us uh, on, on uh, social media. You can find him at Tim Murray, uh, T. Murray 06, T. Murray 06. Um, but uh, before we get started with anything, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? I'm uh, drinking. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Do, oh, do I go first? Now you do because you jumped in. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do, twist my arm to go first. I'm drinking uh, cold brew iced coffee um, because I just finished Whole 30, and when I try to drink alcohol, my um, butt explodes. So sure. That's Understood. Sure, sure, sure. Fair. Uh, Kevin, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm just having a little sensible Prosecco. Sensible, beautiful. Uh, Kim- very classy. Yeah. I mean, I, I try. I'll hold my pinky <laughs> out while I drink it. Yes. Uh, Kimberly. Um, I have my Bar Hill gin back. So I have some Bar Hill with um, the very flat remnants of a tonic water bottle that I had in my fridge. <laughs> Uh, that Great. was not enough for the amount of gin I had poured in the cup. So there's also <laughs> some um, ruby red grapefruit seltzer. Beautiful. <laughs> um, 
I'm drinking Milagro tequila uh, with uh, lime soda in my Wicked cup. Yeah. All right, Tim. So let's get let's get to let's get down to business. Um, yeah, and defeat the Huns. Uh, Mulan on Disney Plus, December, uh, it's September fourth. Oh no. Um, but we are. Uh, we. How did you like explain your brand? Like, how did you get to where you are? Like. <laughs> Like I, who I don't. Are you? Who are you? What did you, like? I don't understand what you like. I like. Just how did how did you figure out your like niche or have you and you're just faking it and like tell me tell me that trajectory. Ryan, it all started in 2010 when I was working at a resort in Maine and I had, I was putting this moose hat over my head. Right, I was getting into a full moose drag, and this young man came up to me and he said. I know what you need to do. I'm going to make you a gay star. And he wrote just one of the funniest things I've ever read. Um, I'm obviously referring to Brian and I worked together 10 years ago at a resort in Maine. And yeah. you wrote a really funny show. Um, and honestly, I'm, that was a joke, but I'm not kidding. That was like, in college, there was a lot of like, uh, you know, 10 years ago, it was just a different time. There was a lot of like, don't be gay. Like, uh, go out there in the world and be a Shakespeare actor and be passing and figure that out. And then um, when we did that show, you wrote this like awesome character that I got to play where I got to be super effeminate and gay and have a lot of fun and do comedy, which was like a new thing for me. And ever since then, I've been like veering toward doing what makes me happy, which is like being myself, which means being gay and doing comedy. And the only thing that I love on top of all that stuff is alphabets and theater. <laughs> so I've tried to combine all those things. I'm, I really am just faking it all the way through. I'm just, every week I'm like, what can I do this week that will be really fun for me? And that's cool. kind of it. That's awesome that you brought up like that, like that there definitely was that time where it was like, oh, you're gay, be passing, and then you'll work in the theater, it'll be great. Um, because right behind me is my autographed picture of uh, Lee Pace, who is on the TV show Pushing Daisies. Mm-hmm. And he did, gave this incredible interview about that, how like he had an agent and a manager who were like, I know you're married to a man, but like you can never say that out loud in public or like we can't make you like the star leading man that you want to be. And he said, screw that, then I'll do theater and be happy. And so until he started doing the Marvel movies, like when times changed, like he did that i thought that was so cool that like i bought this picture as like a mem- like reminder to be yourself so that's super awesome you brought that up i love that yeah and things are rapidly changing which is really great and i'm not sure that i could do what i'm doing now uh 10 years ago i don't think there was really like i don't think everyone was as accepting as they are now and now there's like a market for it so i'm trying to just do what makes me happy and i think young gay kids are really loving it. And I think young straight women and gay women are really loving it too. So it's been, yeah, just kind of trying to ride that fun wave. Sure. Do you have, I mean, I know there's, you have a ton of uh, YouTube videos um, uh, and, and you kind of have series almost like, yes, you have one-off videos, but you'd kind of, um, uh, you have many episodes with same characters or similar characters, similar concepts, kind of um, what's your writing process, your filming process? Cause I know it's very, you know, you were very like down and dirty to begin with in terms of like just creating content on your own. Like how has that grown? And, and now in quarantine in COVID times, like how is, how is your um, 
creative process changed, evolved, or is it pretty similar? That's a great question. I would say it's completely Yeah, I different. know. I asked it, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I think that's a great question because I expected that maybe from Kevin or Kimberly, but... <laughs> there you go. More context. Good, good. <laughs> Shocked to hear such a great question from you. <laughs> it's uh, completely changed. I don't know how it is for, for you guys, but I think the biggest thing pre-quarantine was there's always this idea of the gatekeepers of the people that are going to scoop up your screenplay or scoop up your TV show. Um, And you're always, I think kind of having an, at least for me, having in the back of my mind that I need to cater this towards something that someone wants or that they might pick up or put money into. And while the whole world is on pause, you can't compare yourself to anyone. You're not opening deadline or playbill and seeing such and such friend from college or from your improv class sold whatever it is, everything is paused. So it's kind of like there's no rules right now. And that is so helpful to me because that is how I think a creative process should be. Just whatever idea you have, write it down and put it out into the world and then move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Or do you guys feel, I know you're writers as well. Do you feel that this time has changed? No, everything's the same. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) What show are you seeing tonight? Yeah. (laughs) I agree with you. I I think that, like, there's definitely, like, a push to kind of just, like, like, like you said, before everyone was writing for the machine, like, you're writing for a producer. You're writing to be noticed. You were, like, trying to, like, cater your content for, like, what will sell. And now I think there's this, like, this is a year where you can write whatever you want. Cause like everyone's just like a lot of people this year remembering like, Oh, remember when we used to just like hang out and go to the park. And like, that was a big <laughs> thing or like little things you experience. You're like, remember when we used to all just sit around and talk to each other? Like that's a thing. So I think that like the world kind of like pushed pause, which caused us all to remember all these like new things. So I think it's like really opened up a freedom to write about whatever you want to write about because like people can relate to it now because they're not in that rat race of the craziness of trying to sell something. Yeah, and not, I think another huge part of it is not being so worried about wasting your time because I think, I know Brian and I got cocktails several years ago and we were talking about the balance of, I don't know if you remember this, we talked about like the balance Mm -hmm. of having your work life and also trying to find time to write And I mean, this has just been like kind of a a blessing in some ways of just, you know, I'm not commuting every day anywhere. So there's an extra, and I'm not going to the gym and I'm not going out a lot. So there's an extra couple of hours in our days now that we didn't have before. And you can use that to create something maybe very stupid that isn't your best work, but you don't (laughs) have to kick yourself feeling like, oh, I should have been making money during this time or I should have been hustling or whatever it is. There's more forgiveness right now because like totally. everyone is in this crazy place. There are no rules or right answers that like you can just throw stuff at the wall and just be like, well, yeah. that was silly. I also <laughs> like, think here we are. I also think that content is one of two things. I think mm-hmm. I think content is either straying towards like I just want to make people smile because everything is terrible, and uh, or it's straying towards I, I need to say something, like something very specific, something very important. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot 
we got a lot of that in between stuff and we still do. I'm not saying those are the only pieces of content or art out there, um, but I feel like it very much is straying in terms of the, uh, those two ends of the spectrum, something very specific to say, whether, however they're saying it and something that just like, I just want to put a smile on people's faces because I want someone to put a smile on my face because like I have a, I have a laundry list of a thousand things that like make me sad. And like, I would add to that, like Tim, uh, have you noticed, cause this is something that I've noticed with my own work that um, you, you've started working on, I've started working on multiple projects because like, the ups and downs of this kind of craziness of how it feels like some days you wake up and you like feel like really like you need to say something and like make a stand. And so like, there's the project you're working on that does that. And then some days like it's the afternoon, it's like 4 PM and you're like, wow, I woke up and made my bed and that's the extent of my day. And so like, I need to do something and you start like working on a project like that is stupid or like silly or just like a fun kind of like giggly kind of piece. Have you noticed like diversifying your work to like go with your moods that change in quarantine? I've actually almost had the opposite experience, I would say, because I've always had what you're describing, even when I had full-time jobs or when I was, you know, like uh, working in the theater a lot more. I always felt like that. Like I wanted to do so many different kinds of things and I've always had a focus issue. I write screenplays and uh, web series and sketch comedy and I've done improv and theater and stand-up comedy and I've always been trying to figure out like, okay, how can I stop being a jack of all trades and master of none? Um, So actually in this time, I figured out a system for myself to really I know this is going to sound like really hokey smoky LA at you guys, but I've been meditating every every morning Mm -hmm. and it just helps me figure out if I just take the first 10 minutes of the day to not look at my phone, not look at social media and just be alone with my thoughts for 10 minutes. I usually figure out what it is that I want to focus on that day. And then that's my thing for the day. And I think it's like a really helpful writer tip. Sure. Well, speaking of L.A., you made the move from New York to L.A. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that decision making process on your end and kind of what you thought the pros and cons of each would be for you and your journey? And then, you know, do you feel like uh, those hopes and dreams have kind of been started to execute on, if that makes sense? And also, why don't you have bleach blonde hair then? Great question. (laughs) Those are the questions you were looking for (laughs) from Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have never done the bleach blonde hair thing. I, I uh, probably should. Maybe I will, to, maybe I will tonight. Um, uh, I don't know. I, uh, okay, so I moved here partly for love because my boyfriend was on uh, the national tour of Aladdin and they were going to be here for three months. Mm. And we were like, all right, well, if we're doing long distance, I should just if you're going to be sitting down there for three months, I've always kind of wanted to check it out. I should come there for three months. And I had a bunch of writer friends who had moved out here and done really well, like immediately. And not much was happening for me in New York. And I had gotten two like big calls from agents in LA who had like seen my videos. So I was like, okay, this is a sign. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a TV writer. I'm going to, um, make the big shift from musical theater to comedy TV writing. And it did not happen that way at all. <laughs> um, the two agents that I had call, like had, you know, interest in me when I moved out here were basically like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> and it was kind of a hard, fast fall on my face. And 
one of the managers I talked with out here was like, you need to be doing stand-up. So at 30, I just made like a complete pivot toward doing live stand-up comedy as much as possible. And that has really changed a lot for me and just given me a lot more control. Um, but I think the, the difference between the pros and cons of New York and LA, I really miss theater and I knew that that was going to be a big part of it, but I miss how inspirational theater can be. Like, I mean, how often do you guys go see a show and then the rest of your week is like, you feel a fire under your ass from what you saw is like making even you the bad, work. even the bad stuff does that like good yeah. or bad. Like, cause the good stuff is just like, Oh my God, how did this person even do this? Like this was so good. It affected me on so many levels. And the bad stuff is just like, they put so much work into something that like just <laughs> didn't work. And like, how could I do something that's maybe better than that? Or like, Oh my God, what if I fall into the same pitfalls? You know what? Let me, let me redesign yeah. this thing I'm working on. Totally. I can't, yeah. Yeah. Kevin and I talk a lot about the amount of theater you see is is can be um, offsetting to like the statistics in your head. Because if you see like 50 shows a season, like sometimes we do because, you know, we get tickets and, and all that stuff. So we're seeing, and Kevin sees more than we do. So and I'm speaking for him because he's not in the room right now. Um, but like, <laughs> he's see, not, he's on the computer. That's true. So we see like 50 things. No and, one's in the room. Yeah. And yeah. like, it could be disheartening because 98% of the things you see are not great, but that 2% is so good. But when you were outside of New York City, you only heard about the 2%. So you have to like mentally like find the balance and like find out where that's, that energy is coming from. Uh, and, now, and now I'll let Kevin speak. <laughs> I definitely had this conversation with Brian because like I'm from Florida and so like I lived off of cast albums. That was like my way of experiencing Broadway. Mm -hmm. And the cast albums that I got were the shows that like were so big that like this boy in Florida heard about them and knew what they were. So like when I moved to the city and started working in theater and was very fortunate to get a job where I started seeing literally everything on and off Broadway for the most part. Um, I, me and Brian, I would take Brian or Kimberly to a lot of shows. And then after the ones that weren't particularly my favorites, I would be like, how is this happening? Like Broadway was magic and everything was perfect when I lived in Florida. And then <laughs> I got here, and there's shows that aren't that good. And Brian pointed out, like, it's because you didn't know about the shows that were open two and a half months or the shows that like ran for a few. And so I took all of like what you were saying with like how it can be so inspiring I started any show I didn't like, or it d just wasn't my cup of tea, or I didn't like a certain thing about it, I would go home and as a writing exercise, I would write out like an outline of how I would have fixed, like, fixed it in my head of how I would have changed it. So then it became like even inspirational. Like when I saw a great show, it was like, wow, I want to do something like that. And then if I saw a show that wasn't my favorite, I was like, this is how I would have done this differently to like hone my craft to try to get better. So I feel like, that is something that's really powerful about theater for inspiration. Yeah. I did the um, Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland the last two years. And wow. that is like, it, it's one of the most magical things in the world because there's something like three, over 3,000 shows. So you get everything from like, like Fleabag started there to like, uh, you know, 
truly like a woman just covering herself with sand and rolling around on the ground. <laughs> and like, it, I mean, the, like Tim, truly- we truly... know that was your show. You don't have to. <laughs> oh um, before we play our first game, sure. I want to ask you about um, your stand-up. Uh, wait, let's have fun. Okay, maybe we'll play a game first. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No. Uh, um, talk about, because you, you, you had mentioned like at 30 kind of making that pivot to what was suggested to you to doing more of that. Um, I guess talk about the creation of that, the, the shift in mental, um, uh, in, in the mental ad, gymnastics of it all to kind of just like reposition yourself. Um, and then uh, talk about the tour that you went on. Um, okay. <laughs> Stand up is truly crazy. It is in some ways so beneficial to be an actor first and so wonderful to have that like set of skills in your back pocket. And in some ways so detrimental, it's really not like anything else I've ever done in this business. It, the biggest thing about it, I would say is you are truly talking directly to people. Like you're talking, you're whoever is right in front of you in that audience, you're looking them in the eyes and you are having a conversation. And the second that it veers into feeling like you're doing a monologue, you're done, you're cooked, it's over. Like they can just sniff it out of you. So, and it's, it's not the same as doing like a cabaret at 54 below, even, even if there's like crowd work in there, it's just like the whole vibe of the room is completely, Completely different. You go into the theater or you go to see a theater artist do anything and you're rooting for them to succeed and you want to see a good show. I find that most stand-up audiences um, are like arms crossed, impress me. So mm. uh, it's that's, interesting. That's, that's what we ask from you today. Perfect. Am <laughs> I am I living up to the... To the we're, we're, not even, from... we're not even halfway through, so you still got time to make up. <laughs> Be funny. It is a weird. It's like that's like the one of the weirdest things because when people tell like, you oh, to be funny, <laughs> yeah. If you're yes, like, I'm a musical so theater true, actor, though. nobody's ever like, all right, give me the last thirty two bars of astonishing. Prove <laughs> 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 it. It's so strange. You're like that's I'm an actor. So all right, true. let me hear it to be or not to be. Like what the hell? But is girl, going I always on? have that. I always have that in my back pocket in case they ask. I'm already ready for the astonishing 32 bars. Oh Imagine if you're like waiting tables, like, oh, like I'm a musical theater performer. Oh, do you just like belt your highest note for me? Right. Like, I mean, when I worked at it. Chelsea Grill, I would tell people I was a dancer and then I would actively do six pirouettes for them. Not well, <laughs> but I would do it. Um, yeah, so then I just started taking like all the material that I'd been writing. I was terrified when I decided I was going to go do it for the first time I was like I mean this is truly my nightmare like I feel like being funny is a huge part of my identity and now I'm going to risk getting up in front of a bunch of people and having them give me a reaction that tells me I'm not but I started taking all my old plays and just like sifting through in my old Facebook statuses and tweets and being like do I have anything already <laughs> that I could play with <laughs> and the first time I did stand up I just took the like a big scene that I knew that had gone well in a play that we did at theater for the new city. And, uh, I turned it into a set and that set has stayed in my, uh, hour. And, um, yeah, I just, I think the, the really fun thing about it, especially right now is you get to choose what it is. Like you can do set up punchline 
jokes, or you can be a personality comedian, or you can be a storyteller comedian. And I've just been kind of having a lot of fun trying to figure out how to combine all those things. And then I just bet on myself and was like, I'm going to start calling venues around the UK and the US and seeing if they'll have me. And then if they said yes, I would promote it on social media out the wazoo and message any friends that I might have in that city and be like, I'm coming. I'd love for you to come to my show. And I did everything from like selling out two shows in New York and Chicago and um, doing it in Edinburgh and London to like, you know, playing to 15 people in Orlando. <laughs> um, a, a question I have, because I know a lot of our listeners are musical theater and theater based. So they know that like, if you're a musical theater actor, you have to have like a 16 bar cut, a 32 bar cut, a monologue. And like, that's what has to be in your back pocket for people. Um, I know Kimberly, Kimberly's husband is a comedian. You're a comedian. Um, what is it that comedians have to have? Cause you said it stayed in your hour. So like, what is it that like comedians have like ready to go in their back pocket? That's like comparable to like a 16 bar cut of 32. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would say, yeah. Yeah. A little, little increments. I would say most people have what's called like a tight five, which is Mm -hmm. if Brian was producing a show in New York tonight and was like, Hey, you want to come do the show? You'd have your like tight five minutes of jokes that you could do at, at the drop of a hat. Like I did a show where America's got talent, like fixed found out about it or something like, I don't know. Someone connected me with them and they were like, can you send us, um, three small three minute clips so you basically just have to it's almost exactly the same as having a book like you just have to have like your small little uh selling pieces if that makes sense yeah um let's play a game um you know another game based on our text conversations from today (laughs) this game is called something bad (laughs) (laughs) um and it's also one of our new favorites in which i you just have to tell me when at a certain point because i'm just gonna scroll through things um so the point of this game is we were talking about how on long-running cast like broadway shows or cast albums you've had forever there are songs that you will skip Mm -hmm. and like haven't listened to in 20 years um a la something bad that is so rude, Kimberly, but to. okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I say I, I say play something bad in the clubs, but okay. <laughs> you to each their own. To each their the own. These are like something, something bad. Happening at all. Oh my god, make the techno it track. Still now. makes me think of when I was in high school and I went to the ITS uh like International Thespian Society like state championship in Florida, and they had a dance for all of us. And they oh had a like We didn't get a dance in New Jersey. Oh, we did. And there was a remix club version of I Still Believe from Miss Saigon. (gasps) And it was incredible to dance to. But at the same time, you're like, I'm dancing to a Vietnamese woman crying and believing that an American soldier loves her while her his wife cries because he doesn't love her. Like it was like not the best song to have as a thumb no. I will now add a B side to my game based on that <laughs> anecdote. <laughs> um, so the main point of the game, so as not to be mean to any of these shows we will bring up, I'm gonna scroll through the list of the longest running shows. You tell me when, I will stop. And then when I get to that show, um, add a fictional track on the cast album. Amazing. 
that just everyone has skipped for this ever. And no one has heard this song in many years. Um, And then the B side of this game is now pick an actual song from that show that you would want to dance to in the clubs as a techno track. (laughs) Great. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Kevin, you go first. Okay. Tell me when. When? A chorus line. Okay, (laughs) I just learned about this show. Um, (laughs) Oh, a song that you would... So it's, I have to create a, a song. fictional song that everyone has skipped for the past 45 years. Okay. So a fictional song from Chorus Line that everyone would skip would be called My First Leducas. And it's just <laughs> a song about a dancer like going to Leducas like store. They have stores, right? And like buying their first pair of yes. shoes. And it's like a long song where they like tell the guy their size. And then the guy goes away for a really long time to go find them in the back. And they're just like waiting for the shoes to come out to try them on. And then he brings the wrong size. And it's like this whole thing. So that would be the um, the song the, that everybody the would yeah, My yeah. first Lajukas. And then the song that should be made into a club remix is nothing. Because it would be incredible to take that like storytelling, emotionally driven song and turn it into a club remix. So people are like, yeah, man, I feel nothing. And just... <laughs> <laughs> So that's what's going to be the club song. Amazing. Tim, would you like a turn? Yeah. Can I add a song to that chorus line as well? Yes. Yes. I think the other song people would skip would be called Not Seeing Non-Equity Today. (laughs) And it would just feel really sad. It was just like a, it's a really sad, like sort of transitional bummer song. (laughs) Where it's a lot of non-equity actors going like, they're not seeing me today. And then, like, kind of crying. It happens <laughs> in the audience because they're not allowed on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It goes through their whole day of, like, getting up at four to get there at five to sign the unofficial list. And Yes, yes. yes. It's, that, like, it's tragic. The door, it's... you didn't notice it as you walked in. It's almost like the alternate storyline. So, like, you, like, it's like, it's like um, Puffs where this is all happening alongside <laughs> of, yes, yes. Of, of the main story of a chorus line. <laughs> On the other it's side of the mirror. Neck chorus line. Yeah, it's a, it's a turning <laughs> stage, so you see the other side of the mirror. <laughs> and there's thrice as many people. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, so many suitcases. Was the music and Jewel the mirror tones. and an audition yeah. plot. <laughs> God, I know I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. <laughs> I just graduated today. Yeah. Anyway. God, um, I hope I get it is about their equity card. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I booked a theater work oh. store yesterday. <laughs> anyway. Tim, would you like to turn on a different show? Yes, please. Wait, okay, tell me when. When? The Lion King. Okay, a song that people would skip from The Lion King would be um, The Hyenas Song, and it would be called Horny and Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And they sing because they're listening with children. (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly. We gotta gotta, um, skip this one because weirdly they put it in this Disney show. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is that could also be a great track for the club remix. <laughs> true, true. Except, okay, club remix obviously has got to be Shadowland. Oh, that song. Yes. If you bumped Heather Headley's Shadowland in Ritz bar, 
I would dance that house down to that. Yeah. Oh I believe you wouldn't be alone in that <laughs> dance. That would be this. That would be the soundtrack to so many random makeout sessions that you didn't remember <gasps> the next day. Yes, I was yes. in the Shadowland. I don't. Yeah, know. I was gonna say, it would Shadowland become like Shadowland. a term? Yes, it would be like, oh my god, we played I played at three a.m. only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> craziest Shadowland with this dude last. Night. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. Oh my god. <laughs> Brian, would you like a turn? Yeah, sure. When? Oh, when? When? I'm going to skip that because you don't know any of those songs. Great. Unless you really know Oh Calcutta. Nope, we're good. <laughs> then you get Mama Mia. <laughs> oh, Mama Mia. Um, Say it right, please. Mama Mia. Thank you. Um, I think, first of all, I think every song that has already been remixed for the club. Um, True. Yes, I believe we unremixed them to put Yeah, them for that. Yeah. <laughs> what is the opposite of a remix? Um, I don't know. There are many ways I could say, let's put Waterloo into the first one, but because people want to save it for the second one, they skip it. Um, uh, maybe pop in a boring version of Happy New Year um, because it's a bop. So the original version of Happy New Year. Yeah, I guess. Um, but uh, maybe, no, it's the new song that ABBA wrote for it. Um, that, like, you know, when you go to the bathroom at a concert because someone's playing their newest album and you're like, no, 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 play Mr. Brightside. Um, so, like, uh, I, I would say whatever that new song is, and I think it's called, like, um, Mama Mia Made Me Mush My M&Ms. <laughs> cool. She's yeah. decided to go into a career for musical theater. Yeah, uh-huh, totally. She's taking her for- first ever voice lesson. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it's probably it's probably the boyfriend song in Act Two that people skip. That it's like, okay, fine, moving on. Why you you just had to give them a song that's fine? What would be the club song? They're already all club songs. They're all club songs. <laughs> but songs? what would you do again? Oh, um, uh, the new club. <laughs> probably money, money, money. Okay, sure. Or. This new song, maybe it'll find new life. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear the Carolee Carmelo version of Winner Takes It All. Sure. Bumped up two speeds faster. Well, I think what you do is you take every, you take like the, uh, you take a lot of actresses who have played Donna and you do a mega mix of these different Donnas every song uh, a different donna and then you bump that up so like it it so all of a sudden you have carolyn carmelo doing one and then you have you know you, you, you know you, you have you know meryl jennifer doing nettles. The second one. jennifer nettles yes. doing a third one like, <laughs> she did it at the hollywood ball and honey it was everything <laughs> she's done multiple musicals i never would have guessed that when i was listening to my like original sugarland album oh my god <laughs> that is such a good idea brian i would listen to the mess out of that yeah someone should just do that <laughs> kimberly should yeah. we say when for you oh sure when am i oh no just me when when, <laughs> when? <laughs> i was taking the guest lead tim newsies. looked like he was about ready <laughs> i have received newsies which is the 121st longest running show okay okay all the way down there i scrolled um a song that people have skipped since its inception would be um, Jack Kelly's song about his process as an artist. 
Sure. Um, and it's just like kind of a spoof on Sunday in the park. Like sketch, 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 strike, 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 sketch, sketch, sketch. It's a tongue twister. That's why no one likes to listen to it. Papers, papers. Papers, papers. Black and white and black and white. <laughs> um, What's black and white and red all over? Yeah, and it's just like a little too repetitive. So everyone has skipped it. Um, and sure. obviously... What would be the best club mix? There must be Newsies club mix. I want to watch what happens, club mix. Can you? That's kind of where my mind was going. But I also think just each version of Santa Fe. Mm. Just a little different of a remix each time. Can you imagine a, like, Lady Gaga and Justin Timberlake something to believe in? Wonderful. (laughs) Cool. That has been something bad. That was super fun. <laughs> that was so fun. Um, Tim, let's 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 get into Wicked a little bit. Um, Please. Sure, you're very welcome. Um, what? <laughs> I mean, so you have these videos. You're 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 on your YouTube channel. You're interviewing all the alphabets you can get your uh, room on, and oh, a little reading session, yeah, of course. That's <laughs> um, while well, you read Wicked, I'll take a sip. <laughs> out of my wicked cup um i guess Dad, i have that book too <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a fan like before we get into like the conversations you're having and all that like as a fan um what uh, what stands out to you the most about the different alphabas and what they each bring to it just from you know your ears your eyes talking to all these people what a good question i guess my answer to that would be that it really is one of the most iconic theater roles of all time because it can be reinvented in so many different ways and still work so beautifully. Like I saw Adina Menzel do it when I was 18 and it really was one of the best days of my life. Like it was just, I remember like waking up that morning knowing I was going to go see Wicked because I had bought the cast album in my hometown. And I was just like, how did I get, this lucky like this is happening today and it lived up to like every expectation I could possibly have when she flew I was like I cannot believe that they were able to do this it was so like chills and then I saw Shoshana do it and then I saw Anna Gasteyer do it and I saw Julian Murney do it um and now I just watch them all the time because it is sort of like watching the Olympics but for musical theater where you're like this is so impressive what you're doing vocally (laughs) like it's it's such a hard show for women to sing and so when someone adds something new to it it's like watching like Simone Biles add like that extra flip in the air where you're like (laughs) oh I didn't know that someone could do that um it is named after yeah Yeah, it is. It is named after her, and there like, should rips be are named like, after the alphabet that did it first. <laughs> like, exactly, exactly. I do the Eden at the end. It's literally that. <laughs> it's my yeah. dismount. My dismount is the. Eden. <laughs> <laughs> degree of difficulty is uh, at a Shoshana Bean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's. Sorry, go ahead. I was. Just, I also think that that character of alphabet is so iconic for musical theater fans because. A lot of musical theater fans are our fellow gay brothers and sisters. And I think there's something really like comparison that you can make between like Alphabet's journey and like the journey that a lot of gays have gone through in their high school and like elementary middle school years. Like she's bullied for being different. 
And then she embraces who she is at being different and finds power in that. And I think that that journey is really impactful. Um, I also think that the story changes with like the passing times. Like I saw Wicked like a year ago and it really was still just as like impactful in a different way, even just because what's going on socio, uh, like social economically through and like politically in the world that I think that like, there's so much that's embodied just in that character that so many people can relate to. Yeah, totally. I feel all of that. In your conversations with, and you've talked, I believe to some of them, you've talked to Jackie Byrne, Jessica Voss, Eden Espinoza, um, Julia Murney, uh, Lily Cooper, I guess, um, in your conversations with them, is there one thing that stands out that a lot of them all say? And is there one thing that just truly is different per person um, as you get into some of those themes and discussions? I guess, yeah, there's the the main thing. I always ask the question, was it fun? <laughs> because it seems like, I always say, like when you watch Godspell or Hair, you're like, damn, it looks like they're having a blast yeah. up there. But it's more, seems like it would be more fun of a show to be in maybe than it is in the audience. And I, Wicked, opposite, where you're like, that doesn't look fun, that looks hard. But man, I'm having a blast out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all pretty much say the same thing, that it is as ridiculously hard as it looks. And you do kind of have to be a hermit for the whole time you're doing the contract and you do go a little crazy and they have a bond between all of them that no one will understand. It's, it's like going through like some sort of boot camp, I think, but it's weird because they're not doing it with each other. They're all doing it separately. But then like, like Nicole Parker says that she was walking down the street and she saw Julia Mirney when Nicole was doing the show and she was like, Oh my God. Hi how did you do this? <laughs> and they all, they all just kind of like, yeah, it is like ridiculously challenging. But when you're up there and you're literally flying and you're like, and you're on voice and you're nailing it and you're having that kind of Olympic level day where you know you are killing it, there's nothing like it. Like it's like truly that rush. That, that has been pretty much across the board true um and then another true thing that i found from everybody is kind of a collective trauma that i wonder if it's an alphabet thing or just a collective like theater actor thing of the trauma of like dealing with the uh, fandom that loves this brand and this show so much that they put so much pressure and i have seen some of this um on like twitter when i announce whoever's doing it where people will say things that's like they think they're being nice, but they're actually saying something kind of backhanded or mean. And it's, um, that's like really unfair, I think, to these like incredible women that they have to deal with like someone basically saying like, you are great, but you're not my favorite. <laughs> like I liked this yeah. person better. It's like just kind of like messed up and not a great way for us to handle ourselves as theater fans, I think. Was- sure. Was Alphaba everybody else's first, or I mean, was Adina Menzel everyone else's first Alphaba experience? Yes. Yeah, mine. So yeah. mine, mine was Nicole Parker. <gasps> I, tell me about that. So I came into, I came into, I was working at the Surflight Theater 
and I had like a long weekend off. So I came into the city and it was the first time ever that I like just bought a full price ticket to a Broadway show. And I just bought a full price ticket to sit in center orchestra to see Wicked. Cause I was like, it's worth it. Yeah. And I didn't even know who was in the show, but I was excited. And I wore, <laughs> I wore my favorite green sweater cause I thought it was Amazing. perfect. And there was this like straight married couple from like, Peoria or wherever they were from in middle of America who had come to New York for like a weekend and were seeing wicked. And the husband who was sitting next to me was wearing the exact same sweater I was wearing. Oh, and his wife, she it was, it out. his wife thought it was the greatest thing ever. And she picked up that I was gay and she was like, you have good fashion sense. A gay man is wearing this sweater. And so she like took a picture of the two of us oh in our matching sweaters before the show. Do you have this picture? I don't. It was like she uh, took her phone and it was like a whole thing. If but you like, are out there and you know this couple, send <laughs> us this picture. Send us this picture. No, but like From it was it was ago. incredible because I didn't I knew Nicole Parker very briefly from her stint on I think Mad TV. Mad TV, yeah. So I knew who she was, but I had no idea she could sing. And she just a lot of Elphabas, I mean, Tim knows this way better than we do. A lot of Elphabas use like different tactics. Like Eden kind of was like the wild card who like threw in riffs and crazy stuff. Like, and there's certain ones like Anna Gosteyer was like very like strong, like they, everybody had like different kind of things. And Nicole Parker just kind of like, she sang everything like as written, but like with this like super kind of like ferocious comedy aspect to it. Mm. Where like, she was like, she was that person who laughs at themselves in high school when they're getting made fun of, mm. but like goes home and cries about it. And so that was such an intimate Elfba to watch. And I've seen it a few times since, but I'll never forget my first time with her because like that was such a defining character to see somebody who like laughed with them, but then cried about it afterward. Like that was such a really cool Elfba layer that I loved. I love that so much. And I love that that's what you gleaned from it because when I interviewed her, that's almost exactly what she said about her way into the character. So that's so cool that that came across so clearly do you know who her first alphabet was? Who? Anna Gasteyer. And I thought that was so cool because they're both I mean, such, I mean, yeah, they're like these truly incredible comedians. And then to also be able to sing one of the hardest scores that's mm-hmm. out there for a woman to sing is so impressive to me. And when Nicole said that on the podcast, I was like, that's amazing. She was like, it meant everything to me. I went to Chicago. I got a ticket to the show. I saw it. It was on a guest hour. I had been on Mad TV and I'd seen her on SNL, obviously. And when I saw her in it, I was like, oh, this is my way in. Alphabet is funny. Like, mm-hmm. yes, she's like belting her face off, but also there's exactly what you said. There's this like outcast thing about her that she just she's very direct and she says what she's thinking um yeah and I just think the world of Nicole Parker I think she's like such an unbelievably talented person so I love that you had that experience I so yeah, wish I could have seen her do it I'm do you, sorry Kevin I was just gonna say that I'm glad that that's what she was going for because that's a hundred percent what I gleaned from her performance do you know where else we glean things Tuesdays in the corner with Kevin. Kevin's. <laughs> Kevin's Corner. Okay, welcome to Kevin's Corner. And today we're going to play a unique version of the name game. So I've pulled up a list of some of the most famous Tims 
<laughs> that are out there. And so I am going to describe a certain Tim just not off of notes or anything, but off of just my the top of the head and what I think of these people. And we're going to see if we can guess who these people are. So I'll give my explanation and then you guys can just like put your hand up or whatever and I'll call on you to try to guess who it is. Um, this person is one of the creepiest, funniest people I've ever seen. Tim. Tim Burton. Ooh, that's a good guess, but no. Tim Curry? Correct, Tim Curry. Uh. Uh, this person um, wanted to make sure everyone lives like they're dying. Yes. Tim Rice? Oh, no, but also a good guess. Uh, this person also has a wife that sang the uh, Monday Night Football song for a long time, and my dad thought she was oh. forgot. McGraw? <laughs> Tim McGraw is correct. Oh, Red Rag Top. Um, this one is... <laughs> Tim Allen. But can you say his character name, please? Tim, the tool man, Taylor. <laughs> Thank bah, 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 Does he laugh like that? <laughs> I do not remember that part. Oh, yeah. We used That's to watch fine. Home Improvement um, all the time. Yeah, but I was there for JTG and nothing else. Fair, fair. <laughs> yeah, same. Same um, This person is uh, the partner of the brilliant Helena Bottom Carter. Tim Burton. Correct. This person went to my high school and is a tool bag because they went to UF when I went to FSU and they were a quarterback and they're super lame. Tim Tebow. Yes. Ew, gross. <laughs> I went to U Miami, so we have the real trifecta here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This guy, I always think that he's the dude that's married to Fergie, but he's not. It's a different person. And I think that he was in the show where he was married to Drew Barrymore when she was eating people's bodies. Timothy Oliphant. Yes, Tim. Good job. I forgot that I could include Timothy in my brain. But he did. But, but Kevin, I understand your confusion with him and Josh Dumel. Or Dumel. Yes, yes, I me too. always confuse yeah. them. I'm like, which one are you? Are you married to Fergie? <laughs> but Tim well, Oliphant neither is... Neither of them are now. Yeah, that's true. Tim Oliphant is a spectacular actor. He is amazing, but for some reason he has that like generic white man face. Totally. That totally. He, like, he does. Into the list. Um, but Scream 2 really sets him apart from the rest, I see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy taught me the word cavassier. Tim, uh, Tim, Tim Meadows. Meadows. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this man was in the movie The Rocketeer, and I always wished I could be Jennifer Connelly because she's my favorite person, but also so I could break a vase over someone's head the way she did to him. Timothy Dalton. Correct. Um, and then let's see if I know any of these other people on this list. Um, you don't. Uh, this person is very small in stature. Tiny Tim. Correct. <laughs> Brian, you are killing this game. Uh, this person my parents don't like because he is a partner of Sigourney, uh, not Sigourney Weaver. He's a partner of Susan Sarandon. And my parents think he's too liberal. Tim, Tim Robbins. Robbins. Yeah. Tim Robbins, correct. I didn't know they were together. I don't know if they're they are not anymore. anymore. They're not anymore, oh. but they were for like a long time. Yeah. They were like the like liberal power couple. <laughs> this person has the same last name of a famous elephant. Timothy Chalamet? Timothy Dumbo? Dumbo? Tim Dumbo. 
uh, famous elephant. What are some other famous elephants? Um, and yeah. this elephant believes a person's a person. Oh, oh Timothy. Oh, like, oh. wait, Tim Horton? Like Tim the Horton. donut shop? <laughs> yes, Tim Horton. The Canadian person. donut shop? He's on my Tim list. So, yeah. Tim um, Here, Let's see if I know any wait. of these other people. Um, this person <laughs> has the same last name of uh, someone who played Peter Pan. Tim Martin? Tim Rigby? Tim Rigby? Tim Wilson? No, this person also has a last name that's kind of similar to Donuts. Tim, Tim Croissant? Tim Duncan. Bruler? Tim Duncan. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Duncan. <laughs> that was a joke. Who's Tim Duncan? A basketball player from the San Antonio Spurs. And his last oh, right. name is Duncan? Yes, it is. That's a very good name for a basketball player. That really Only is. Only if he can dunk. What position does that? Is that something? He's a power forward. I mean, I mean, anyone can. And then this last person, I don't, I don't know who this last person is, but their last name is one half of a famous name of like rich people in New York. Tim Vander, Tim Bilt, Turn, Tim Rocker, Tim Fella. Uh, so it's Tim- take away kids because kids are gross. So take away child. What? Take away child? Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. I don't oh, know. The actor? Is. Yeah. Who is that? Have you seen no, Pulp no, Fiction? No. Have you seen Reservoir Dogs? Yes. And this has been Kevin's Corner. Those are my Tims. Yay. <laughs> Yay. That was a Tim bit. Um, but um, Tim, what, what's your favorite musical? We never asked you. Is it Wicked? Or? I love, 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 love Wicked, but my favorite musical is You're in Town. Sure. I don't think anyone's ever said that before. Oh, really? Yeah, you're, that's a it's, first. I saw it. I my whole mom's side of the family lives in Long Island, so we'd go there for Thanksgiving every year. And every like couple of years, we'd go into the city to see a show. And my dad picked that when I was twelve, and everybody oh, in the family was so good. pissed. <laughs> they were like, "What? What? Literally in town? Literally pissed." <laughs> um, I think that was like truly one of the first times in my life that I saw a storytelling where like again spoiler alert but the ending wasn't happy and mm. it, it impacted me so de- and it was so so funny that i was just i was so obsessed with it and so blown away and it like really i just really love that show i think it's so hard to do and so brilliant having not seen your parents in years that seems like something that they would like though <laughs> and they did they did love it I thought FSU did it when I was in college and like my sister and I used to go to see all the musical theater productions that FSU put on and they did it in a, like a in the round black box space Ooh. and it was like it was so good and I, I I like hadn't even heard of it out of New York I was like I don't even know what this is sure so we went in completely blind and it was such a funny show um, oh, I'm Brian, so were glad. you in it in college? No, Ithaca yeah. College did it. Jay was in it, and um, Jeremy Jordan played Bobby. Um, and uh, but Jay was um, Jay was in it, um, and it was an excellent production. And Jay was wonderful. You could tell him that. Jay, you were good, and you're in town. <laughs> I was. That's what Brian said. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he doesn't say thanks or I know. It was just I was. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't remember it. Um, but actually, if, if you don't mind, I know that you you did your stand-up in your hometown. Um, yeah. You did like a... Where uh, are you from? 
I'm from Sandusky, Ohio. Well, to, let's, let's talk about that. Like you went home and did stand up. What was that like kind of um, going back home and like doing your set, being yourself, like, just like, just, just what was that experience like for you? It was the best ever. I got to do it at the community theater where I did your good man, Charlie Brown in high school. And so I like opened the set by being like, uh, thank you guys so much for coming. So many of you saw me here doing a children's theater production. And now I'm about to tell you gay sex jokes for an hour. (laughs) 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 Um, it was so, it was really, really liberating and really cool. Um, yeah, to just really, truly be myself in in this space where I really wasn't myself for such a long time and to like reclaim that was really cool and just having it's really really amazing how many people come out of the woodwork to support you when you put when you're vulnerable and put yourself out there in the world and so many of my high school teachers came to the show and that was um, I could cry thinking about it. It was just really awesome. And I didn't tell them I was going to do this, but I had a whole section in it where I was making fun of the whole idea of choir <laughs> and uh, and like all of that. And um, I don't remember exactly w- what it was about, but I was like basically roasting my high school choir teacher who was there. And then I was like, I, I you know, I'm obviously joking. I would, would not be getting flown to London after this to go debut a new musical and getting to do my hour of stand up that you're seeing right now, if it hadn't been for these public school teachers and I made them all stand up and everybody like uh, applauded for them. And that was just very, very special because I went to like Catholic school K through eight. And then my parents pulled me out of that school because they just knew like something was off and at the public school, I could do like the musicals and they had four straight plays that they did every year for. Yeah. Like the drama club was just like very active and there was a full orchestra and a full band and um, a lot more people of color and just like more reality and not such a white, small minded um, school where like everybody played football, but me. And so like going to that school for high school, like really, really changed my life. So to get to go back and do what I love in front of those people that really gave me this opportunity was just so like words can't even describe how special it was. It was great. Wait, four straight plays a year? Can you believe four straight plays and then the musical? So the musical was like part of the choir and this is a public school. Like they just, um, did it they did it with like super low budget like two of the plays were usually just the the curtains and some chairs they were like we're not gonna have any budget for this but we're just gonna do it and then two of the other plays they would get like a backdrop or a full set um and yeah they did four plays a year so so they did our town every year Our town in spring every year. Yeah. yeah. And then 12 Angry Men in the, in the winter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My school did one show a year, and every four years they would do a musical so that they can make sure that at least sometime in your high school experience you got to do one musical. So, like, it didn't matter if it was your freshman year, your senior year, your like where it hit in your four years but they did one show a year and every four years it was a musical. I guess that levels the playing field of seniority for the leads. Yeah. Everyone's got the shot. Yeah. Also your school did little shop. 
We did. That's well, what we, boggles my mind is they did a musical every four years, and then they're like, "How about the one with only ten kids in it?" Yeah, because <laughs> the drama club was like twelve kids. Like they were, it was not popular. There weren't a lot of kids who did theater in Florida, especially North Florida by Georgia well, border. Grown up in New Jersey, or so there were not very Ohio. many kids. And like we did a little shop, and like the parents of the kids involved in the show helped contribute to the money to rent the plant so that the show could actually be done. That's crazy. Whoa. The school gave only, like, I grew up in, like, a Friday Night Lights town where, like, the only money went towards sports. So, like, they were like, here's $100. Put on a Broadway show. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. They're like, we're doing Fun Home. There's only six characters. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody... Step up your game. No, they were not like, double casting. Some, like tiny net of parents to like fund the plant. They did a, they did a, my senior year of high school. This is a crazy story. I've never told this on Broadway. Said my senior year of high school, they, the teacher selected a play that was just like, I can't remember what the play was called, but it was like set in like a, like a boarding house. And it was like all these people's like crazy lives. And like I auditioned cause I did all the shows, but I got cast as the character that it comes out that they were a professor in college who were fired because they had had like an inappropriate relationship with a male student. Oh. And I, when I got cast as that role, I didn't do the play because I didn't want to be seen as a gay kid in high school. And so I said no and didn't do the play my senior year because of that. Oh my wow. God. That's so real. When yeah. I was, in third grade, they used to do synchronized swimming shows in our hometown at the local what? pool. And they I would do them. To, Ohio. <laughs> it was everything. They would do them. I'm writing a pilot about this. They would do them as full musicals. So the first time I saw Sound of Music was as a synchronized swimming show. And, <laughs> and then the next year they did, did they West Side build, They made their bathing suits out of the curtains? they all had the same very very clean lines very same bathing suit on the hair was braided and they all had the same nose plug um but they would do the full show like half like i would say like 80 percent of the number like the hills are alive with the sound of music it's like their legs are in the air and they're swim dancing but then about 20 percent of the number they would come up above the water and act it out with their faces (laughs) but not mouthing the words just smiling as like <laughs> the music is playing. And I loved Sound of Music so much, Kevin, that the next year I choreographed an entire number to the Jet song to do West Side Story. And the director of the thing was like, I love what you did. We're going to do exactly what you choreographed and you can be in the show. And I, same story, I, I pulled out last minute because I was like, I just know that everyone's going to call me gay if I do this. And yep. I can't. Yep. Yeah. So basically, you and I need to remount a production where you, you can play that gay professor and I'll synchronize swim in the background. <laughs> we love that. We'll fun to this immediately. We'll reclaim our youth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's play our final game. Gay, sure. gay, gay. <laughs> um, back in my determination to use Zoom for its best work, I've created <laughs> a name that tune because I can okay, share just same. my audio. Let's do it. Um, also, while I was looking through playlists, I was going to like make 
a new playlist of like, maybe it's all the same song or like pop remixes of things. And then I found the playlist for my, uh, the dance studio where I worked the 2020 recital playlist, um, which was Broadway themed and which obviously was canceled. So all right, <laughs> we're going to use that so that it gets some work. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so keep in mind, these are all Broadway songs that would have taken place in a children's dance recital. The pyramids, the Brooklyn Bridge, the Rio Grande, the Rhine. I've seen the seven wonders of the world. That's Andrew Kinner Boulder. Is that Tuck Everlasting? But because of my predicament, my peculiar... It's Tuck Everlasting? Yes. Cool. I don't know. Do you know the name of the song? Um, Live Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Partner in Crime. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cute. Kids can dance to it. Okay. That's great. I really like that song. Let's start at the very beginning. It's um, it's a very good place to start. How might you swim to this? When you read, you begin with A, B, C. When you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi. They conducted their feet. Okay. (laughs) Impossible. For a plain yellow puppy. Possible Cinderella. Call Which version? Impossible. Uh, the Brothers and Hammers to the revival with um, er, with and Laura Osnes and Victoria Ford. Yes. Annie, there's no Go. air like the air of New York. And you don't and realize how Annie. much you miss it. Yes. Old day. Thank you, Annie. You sing beautifully for a small child. Thank you, Bert Healy. Yes, you're listening to America's favorite radio Oh, is this uh, ne- Never Fully Dressed? I love smiles. Yes. Sing. Anastasia? Come stop your crying. It'll be all right. Tarzan. Um, Just take uh, my hand. Hold you'll be in my heart. Yes. In life... One Dresses from song to song. If only I could make my Part father of your world. understand. Of your world. Which version? I just don't see Fear how a bias. world that makes yes. such wonderful. I can see what's happening. It's what? Uh, no, no. Can you feel the love tonight? They'll fall yes. in. Here's the bomb. Brush away the dirt and soot. Brush away your tears. Cobwebs that aren't swept away. Step in time. Hang around for you. Step in time. Settling girls, it's uh, story uh, time. Um, uh, you're. There's a princess in a tower. Uh, oh my gosh, that's. I know it's today. Like I know it's today. Yeah. Rep- Damn it. <laughs> Spoonful Are you ready sugar, for Mary today's Poppins. lesson? Yes, Peter. Oh, um, listen to your teacher. Uh, uh, Repeat after me. I won't grow up. I won't grow up. Yes. I love that song. It's uh, this is Once Upon a December from Anastasia, the Broadway musical. Damn. Yeah. Coming in hot. Consider yourself. Consider yourself strong. Yeah. Guns. Oh man, I close your one. eyes. Make a wish. Make a wish. I don't know. And meditation to three. Oh, oh, a pure imagination. Come with me. Oh, that's the same. We may not yet have reached our glory, 
Um, but I will gladly join the fight. And when our children tell this story of tonight, tonight. What is it? Shrek Overture. Oh, that was so loud in my ears. Oh, sorry. God, I hope I get it. What no. you know, so they say. Oh, what's happening? Oh, what's happening? What's happening? Or the right way to write it. This is big. Is this a funny girl? Don't rain on my parade. Colabro. Cool. I don't know. I don't know why I have it. Here we go. If the world is going to tomorrow, wallowing in (laughs) sorrow won't get us anywhere. You'll find all the strength you need is inside. Like the sun running across the tide. Let this moment pass by. Come on. Hero is my middle name. 13. Oh, SpongeBob. Hero is my middle name. Fixing trouble is my guest. SpongeBob. Hades Sam? Um. I know this. Uh, oh, um, break up the band. Come follow the band. Um, Barnum. Barnum, Correct. yeah. Um, oh, okay, man. I'll do two more. Dear, Dear friend from... Uh, she loves me. She loves me. I am so sorry about yes. last night. It was a night. So another man says that he can't compete, that he can't love a moving oh. time. Let me be your sire. Uh, so another affair gets an in. Or no, yes. don't never don't forget me, Smash. Don't forget. No, me. it's let me be your no, sire. Let me be your sire. Oh, okay. That's the B you section. Correct. Um. Well, uh, Tim, that brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, thank you so much for goofing around with us. We had a great time. We hope you did too. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Um, oh, check know. out. Check out Tim on all social media, tmurray06. You can also find his YouTube channel. Sorry, Kevin. Can I ask where the 06 comes from? It's the year I was born, 2006. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the year I graduated high school, and I've just kept it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, do you still do the Sumbler Party as a podcast, or is it just the videos? It's both. So you can watch it live on my YouTube channel at tmurray06, or you can subscribe to Slumber Party Podcast and listen to just the audio. Awesome. Hi. Cool. Um, yeah. Or you can follow us at Broad Wasted. You can find us on all social media. You can join our Facebook group, which Kevin runs. Uh, we do theater nerdy stuff there. Um, you can find um, tons of content on our Patreon, um, patreon.com backslash broadwasted. And then, of course, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and review us there. Five stars, stars, please. And thank you. 
And then, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I think to myself, what is this feeling so sudden and new? I felt the moment I laid eyes on you. My pulse is rushing. My head is reeling. My face is flushing. What is this feeling? Fervid as a flame. Does it have a name? Yes. Loathing. Unadulterated loathing. That is our quote for today. Amazing. And that's how Brian feels about our guest. Always. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Tim, uh, we have quite a history. It was delightful to have you finally on the podcast. Um, keep up the funny business. We really love it and appreciate it. Um, uh, but to end, could you tell us a joke? Hold on, real quick. What, okay. is, what is? Where can people? What is your YouTube like? What is your YouTube thing that people can find you at? At Tim Murray zero six. All 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 platforms, including YouTube, is that perfect? Awesome. Um, but let's uh, raise a glass. And as we end every episode, we say, Zudua. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, guys. This was truly so fun. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.